fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy oh, Hoosier. yes, indeed it is. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the program. It's a post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. I don't care what anyone else says. We are just carpe dianisms all over the place here, trying to set that tone for the rest of the week. It's only downhill for here yes we're the eternal optimist already so welcome into it great to have you along for the ride today broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in wichita kansas on our flagship radio station we are all over the country radio tv live streaming and podcasting however you watch or listen to the show great to have you today your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day man i think we need an apology do you think we demand an apology i demand an apology From the other side of the aisle, after years of berating us, after years of calling us fake news, after years of saying misinformation. You are fake news. I I think we demand an apology on this program and across the nation for all of us who have been skeptical, for all of us who have been questioning, for all of us who have been concerned about the accurate data coming from the federal government, the World Health Organization, and other places as well. Because you know how efficient those guys are. Or, sorry, guys and gals and other. However you identify as a federal or universal government employee. After the latest report, according to the New York Times, the New York Times, yes, the New York Times, not Breitbart, although Breitbart is the one reporting it from the New York Times, not One American News Network, not Real America's Voice, not Fox News, no, no. The New York Times has admitted according to their latest piece, that the number of deaths from the COVID-19 pandemic and the coronavirus itself were overcounted by near 30%. Whoa, whoa, hold on here. (laughs) Now, I would like to preface this by saying, for those that have listened to this program for any long stint of time during the COVID-19 pandemic, that we were concerned about the accurate data as well because we were getting reports from hospitals across the nation, doctors and nurses and so on and so forth, and even patients that were like, hey, wait a second, Uh, individuals who are dying that may have tested positive for COVID but didn't really have that disease, like you had stage four brain cancer and you passed away but had tested positive for COVID, was now being related as a COVID death. Had nothing to do with it, but because they reported that. Even individuals who were just in there for an accident, who had a motorcycle accident, which I know someone specifically that also had that ailment as well, a motorcycle accident, went into the emergency room to get stitched up after the motorcycle accident and then went out and said that they were in there for COVID-19 on their release forms. So we knew it was wildly inaccurate. Now, the first question for people to have is, Andy, why would they do such a thing? Well, of course, they did that because they were getting extra money if you got covid patients, then you would get COVID money from the federal government. So it was a scheme to be able to get more money, especially if you had deaths coming into your area. So after being called wackadoodles and crazies and conspiracy theorists and nut jobs and people who are just lying about it, not trusting the science or trusting Fauci, I can't remember which one they would tell us because according to them, that meant one and the same, trusting Fauci because Fauci was science. Remember, now the New York Times quietly admitting that the deaths were overreported by near 30%. Here's the headline from Fox News or from the uh, uh, New York Times through Breitbart.com, who's reporting it. 
Headline, a positive COVID milestone. Subheadline, in a sign that the pandemic is really over, the total number of Americans dying each day is no longer historically abnormal. As they go on to paragraph 17, the official number is probably an exaggeration because it includes some people who had the virus when they died, even though it was not their underlying cause of death. What? Hold on a second. What? Did they just admit that out loud? I I don't think they're allowed to admit that out loud, are they? I don't know that they can do that. Uh, the official number is probably an exaggeration because it includes some people who had the virus who had died even though they had not the underlying cause of death. The CDC data suggests that almost one-third of official recent COVID deaths had fallen into this category. One-third. What? What? Hold on a second. A study published in the journal Clinical Infectious Diseases came to similar conclusions. We demand... An apology. I want a written and public apology from Fauci and the CDC and the FDA and the NIH and the World Health Organization and every other crap state health department across the nation that said that we were loons for even considering the fact that the numbers were not accurate. So hold on. But I also want to do uh, some math here real quick. Can we do some math problems here for just a second? Hold on. I got to get my calculator out. Let me just... According to the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, we're not going to spend, by the way, the whole time on this one, but I do have to do the numbers just for my own personal understanding here. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, total number of deaths. Now, this is this is interesting numbers. These are just, uh, this is not from May to June. Oh, sorry. Total number of deaths in the nation. According to the CDC is 1,134,710. That can't be, this is showing from May 20th to June 8th, but that just shows in the past week a 20% decline in total deaths, which was a 0.8% compared to the previous week. So total number of deaths nationwide set at 1,134,710 in total deaths during the pandemic. They also have 144 million people getting vaccinated, and 6.2 million people being hospitalized. I'm assuming those are overall numbers from the pandemic as a whole. I thought that number was a lot higher for deaths that they were reporting. Maybe they did. Maybe they recorrected themselves. But if they did that, 30% off of that 1.13 million CDC deaths would be 794,000 in the nation. Am I doing that math right? Yeah, that looks right. Now, let's take that. How many people are in the nation? Three? Three hundred and... Oh, wait a second. Let's do it this way. Let's do 794,000. Yeah, we're doing this on the fly, ladies and gentlemen, because this is really important to me. How many people are in the nation? 350 million, let's say. That is, all right, 0.0022% of the population that we locked the entire nation down for. You couldn't see your elderly grandparents or parents or the ones that were sick with a pre-existing condition. You weren't allowed to go to work. That completely trashed the economy. Well, they told us as well that uh, they created 10 million jobs post-COVID-19. The numbers are coming out. We always said the truth comes out in the end, and (laughs) the truth's coming out in the end. The truth's coming out in the end now, and 30%. The CDC, other experts, infectious disease journals, health journals are all reporting exaggerated the number of deaths across the nation. I find that quite intriguing. Welcome into the program. Happy Tuesday. uh, Bottom of the hour, we have Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. Yesterday, we had our congressman here in Kansas, uh, Ron Estes. Today, we have Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. We'll have him on the show at the bottom of the hour to talk about the latest out of Washington, D.C. Some interesting stuff that he's been working on 
for sure. Uh, but between the investigations with the Biden family and the radicalness of AOC and the B squad and the lies that are starting to come out with the COVID-19 pandemic and Dr. Fauci and every Democrat that supported the lockdowns and now supports the fact uh, attacking Donald Trump for the lockdowns during the COVID-19 pandemic for the infused enforcement of vaccinations for individuals and children across the nation for the claims of domestic terrorism of parents trying to be involved in the schools after the COVID-19 pandemic that really created the great awakening. I think for most individuals realizing how much control we've given up in different governmental levels across the nation. I'm making a claim and making a prediction here on this program right here now that the Democrat party is very close to just dying off. Now, I know that's a very bold claim to make because obviously it's a major political party. They have millions upon millions of dollars coming into their party and through the DNC to try and keep Democrat candidates across the nation. But the party as we know it is on its dying leg. And for those that have listened to the show for years, you might remember a guest that we've had on throughout the years known as Gerard Lamiro, as he's written numerous different books and he was a statistician that would make predictions on elections. And since like the 1970s, he's been like 80 to 90% accurate on elections and and different uh, predictions based on political parties and what they would do. And he made this prediction years ago on this show, probably three, four, five years ago, that the Democrat Party was dead and that it would be arisen again through a socialist party. And while he maybe have been a little delayed on when that uh, fact might actually happen, I'm here to say that I think it's happening right before our eyes right now because as more information's coming out, we're realizing the lies that they have spilled before us. And there's only so long that a presidential candidate, someone like Joe Biden, could actually remain as a presidential candidate, or president for that matter, but remain as a presidential candidate going into 2024 when nobody in the party likes him. He doesn't have any rallies that has tens of thousands of people show up like Donald Trump. We've had numerous different Democrat elected officials that were mic'd up with a hot mic, not realizing that it was a hot mic at the time, saying that they are uh, internally pushing for Joe Biden not to run for president. They're not supporting him as president, and they're looking for that different alternative as the presidential candidate for 2024. Now, we think that's going to be Gavin Newsom, and it very well could be Gavin Newsom for the Democrat Party itself. But there's a void that's needing to be filled from the Democrat Party and from many that are the more moderate Democrat types that are realizing the party has gone way too radical and extreme. They say the same thing's going on with the Republican Party. I'm not sure about that. Maybe a little bit. But remember, just because we don't move on our position doesn't mean we're radical. It just means that the political spectrum has shifted for us to look like we're radical. And obviously, the political spectrum has definitely moved further and further to the left. So when we say we're constitutionalists, that in today's times is a radical right-wing position, which we'll proudly hold up to because, well, we just stick to the Constitution. I know that's a, that's a crazy position to take, and uh, they don't like that very much, but I don't care. But the Democrat Party is looking to fill a void, and that's why we see candidates like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who, by the way, is out of any Democrat, probably the most rational one out there. He's still got some Democrat positions I don't necessarily care for, but that's why someone like that has risen up out of the Phoenix ashes to try and rebrand the Democrat Party and get it back to a little bit of what the vision of the Democrat Party was during back during the JFK period. That was semi-rational compared to today's Democrat Party. But we're also seeing the rise of third-party candidates from marginally the other side of the aisle. 
And we haven't seen this for a while. If you remember, we had Ross Perot. If you remember, we had Ralph Nader that were some disruptors that took away from that Democrat party. But every year we always hear this movement that this is the year the third party, the independents, the nonpartisan will rise up. And this is the year where we'll fight back and we will get an independent candidate in the presidency. And it's it's never going to happen. I'll be the first one to say it. It will never happen. It will be a Democrat or a Republican. But the Democrat Party is changing. It's shifting. It's evolving and morphing before our eyes right now and what that end product will be. I'm not quite sure whether the socialists take the stronghold or whether they crumble and just fade away in the moderate, quote unquote, I say that in air quotes for our radio listeners, the moderate Democrats will rise and take the party back, which is what desperately needs to happen. But we haven't seen a disruptor in the party for a while since Ralph Nader, since Ross Perot in the early 1990s. But they're rising again, and they could disrupt the Democrat Party going into 2024, which is going to be hilarious. There are two right now that could potentially pull away from Joe Biden. God forbid he get the nomination again. And uh, let me say, oh, we got a couple seconds here, but we, we don't have time. So when we come back, we'll play some audio from these candidates. But the No Labels Party and the Green Party are again making a resurgence to try and be effective or somewhat influential in the presidential race for next year that could be a major disruptor in the Democrats, especially for those who are extremely distasteful about Joe Biden and too radical for the Gavin Newsom types out of California. Lots more coming up here for a post-Monday on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, what's up? Great to have you with us today. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends over at Americans for Prosperity. They are helping to reignite that American dream. It's dying off slowly but surely. And we can't allow that to happen. What is that American dream? The opportunity for everyone, the streets paved with gold, the vision that we had as a nation. Not what the government does, but what this nation, the symbol of this nation actually represents. Why we still have people flooding our borders left and right, trying to get to the American dream, the freedom that we all get to enjoy that is the most free nation on the face of the earth. But that's dwindling. And it's because of this radicalness from the party going further and further and further to the left, redefining, changing and moving that pendulum further down and uh, we considered radical, apparently, when we try to fight for, I don't know, individual sovereignty, limited government, and individual rights with the opportunity for us to grow and flourish the way we want to. These guys are doing it. They are the largest in the entire nation, the largest grassroots organization in the entire country. They are in more. They're in all 50 states. They have more than 4 million advocates. They're in 36 state chapters. And just in the midterms in 2022, knocked on over 1.5 million doors across the nation. That's huge. As Donald Trump would say, that's pretty big, right? And I think we're going to make it big league. Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. Those guys can help out whatever you can do to help them out as well, whether it's financial donations, whether it's just your time to make phone calls, knocking on doors, or gearing up for the biggest political battle that we've ever seen. And I know everybody says that every year, but it's true. Hyperbole is not really there. It's true. The biggest political battle that we've ever seen, they're going to need your help. And being that biggest grassroots, that's how Republicans win is through grassroots campaigning. Democrats 
run some ads, they create the disinformation, they confuse the hell out of their voters, and they take them to the polls. We knock on the doors and we talk to them and get that personal one-on-one uh, connection and relationship with them. Visit online, americansforprosperity.org. That's americansforprosperity.org. You can help out any way that you can. Take action on the website with Americans for Prosperity and help reignite that American dream. As we see the Democrats become more radical, they are starting to divide themselves. They're starting to see a division that they haven't seen in a while. We haven't seen the third-party disruptors in political parties happen for a while. At the statewide levels, yeah, we've seen them quite a bit, independent or constitutionalist or green parties or socialist parties or whatever. But on the presidential race, it hasn't been happening for a while. But there's a new disruptor out there known as the No Labels Party. Kind of hilarious. I don't know what a No Parties Label or a No Labels Party it really is. But it's a Republican and a Democrat with Democrat Joe Manchin and former Republican governor from Iowa, Idaho, Iowa. I forget. Uh, John Huntsman. I think it was Idaho. John Huntsman and Joe Manchin. Now, they have not officially declared, but they have said that if it is coming down to a Joe Biden, Donald Trump candidacy in 2024, they would jump in that ring. And the question is, who would they predominantly take votes away from? As they say that both political parties have become too extreme. They're looking for that middle of the road movement. Now, personally, I don't quite know what middle of the road really means. We marginally want higher taxes. We marginally want more government regulation. We marginally want government to take care of things just a little bit, but not a whole lot. Like, I'm not quite sure where that line's defined or where that falls in. But they've come out in New Jersey with their plan to potentially throw that hat in the ring that I think would take away from Joe Biden. We're here to make sure that the American people have an option. And the option is, can you move the political parties off their respective sides they've gone too far right and too far left i've never been in any race i've ever spoiled i've been in races to win and if i get in a race i'm going to win right now people are sick and tired of what they're seeing and upset about all they see is turmoil and havoc and we can do better than this and the people expect us to do better and uh this is a good movement should the political the mainstream political system produce the same results in 24 as it did in 20 in which case three-fourths of the american voters have said no not again we want an option we want an option there it is the no labels party by the way uh cornell west who's a quote-unquote philosopher uh more of the left side of the aisle he's also running for the green party are we seeing the destruction of the democrat party before our eyes we'll see how much momentum they gain as the election season progresses This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today, as always, for a post-Monday celebration. Really happy to have this next guest on the program. It's been a while since we've had him on. As we get our monthly update from Washington, D.C., he's from the great 5th Congressional District of the great state of Ohio. It's Congressman Bob Latta. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Good morning. Yeah, good Good. morning to you. Yeah, it's always good to talk with you. Uh, Busy time in Washington, D.C. Before we get into some of the bills, I know you guys have been working on, uh, what's the feel up there right now? We're going into a little bit of a maybe break time for you guys in just a little bit. We have elections coming up next year, which I'm sure everybody's getting geared up for. But what's the feel in Washington, D.C. right now, especially with the ongoing party that's happening in the White House with the, uh, uh, the cocaine that no one seems to know where it came from? 
Well, you know, we're in what you might call the the uh, the stretch heading into the August work period, and I, that's what it really is, uh, where we go back to our districts and uh, listen to the American people. And, of course, the investigations are still going on with the uh, judiciary and the oversight committees, and especially what's uh, going on in the White House. And you know, it's almost unbelievable that uh, with all the security cameras that they have at the, in the White House, that uh, they can't pinpoint at a pretty much a spur of a second when something might have been dropped on the floor and the sea was in the hallway when that item got dropped. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable, and that's pretty much what the American people see it as, too. It's unbelievable, and we see what's happening with, uh, you know, IRS and FBI whistleblowers and, you know, things being told from the top down what they can and can't do and let these investigations go forward that, uh, you know, I think that uh, the American people are out there saying we want answers. Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing, the fact that uh, we somehow don't know anything about this. The most secure building, really, in the entire country and the world, potentially, and we don't know about who could have potentially put that there. Uh, it's pretty mind-boggling to you. But uh, regarding to what's going on on the Capitol, I know you guys have been busy. Last week was a big bill with the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, for those that may have heard that one. But usually this is a relatively simple bill to pass on both sides, bipartisan support, uh, to be able to take care of our veterans, take care of our military, our national defense, which is kind of a priority. But... It almost seemed like a partisan vote this year. A lot of Democrats didn't want to support this one that could cause some concern going into the Senate side. What happened with that vote last week? Well, you're absolutely right. The National Defense Authorization is absolutely essential. That's how we fund our military. That's how we make sure we take care of uh, that they can be, you know, they're getting paid, that, uh, you know, they get housing that they have to have to help their families and make sure that veterans are being taken care of making sure that this country can protect itself. And also, always remember, we want to have the, the absolute best equipment out there for our warfighters. You know, you never want to send somebody out there with something that's uh, less than better than what the other side's got. We want something that's better than anybody has, and that's what the United States does. But, you know, when you look at some of these woke policies that have been coming out of the White House and on the left, and making sure that, uh, you know, those things aren't carried through the military and you're looking at uh, questions of about abortion, that uh, we want to, you know, there are different amendments that were put in there to make sure that these things uh, did not occur. And uh, so, you know, it was a uh, pretty much a Republican-Democrat vote on this legislation. The bill, of course, uh, will uh, be over in the Senate, and then they'll go to a conference committee, and then, you know, we'll have another big fight. But we have to make sure this gets done, that it gets done in time, because, uh, you know, we all take an, take an oath to protect this country and defend it. And the NDAA is the way we do it. Yeah. I know it's been a growing concern in the military and the Pentagon and that's in that branch of the U.S. government when it comes to, like you said, the wokeness with uh, drag queen uh, shows that are going on on military bases. I know in this bill we also had an abortion issue to not allow uh, to, uh, women to transit to be paid for on the taxpayer dollar and through the military and through the Pentagon to cross state lines to go perform an abortion. I mean, Congressman, I know that uh, the military for a while has been a quote-unquote social experiment, but when did we get so woke to be concerned about diversity and equity and inclusion and uh, drag queen hours and parties going on on military bases? We're supposed to be teaching them how to become mean fighting machines to defend the nation, 
and it doesn't seem like that's what's going on in the military right now. Well, and again, uh, you're right. You know, we've seen this happening, but you know, it's, uh, you know, you just look over the last two and a half years of this administration, and uh, you know, the first couple of years uh, of the administration that the Democrats controlled not only the White House, the House, and the Senate, but at least now we've got the House on our side that uh, we can, you know, start pointing things out, saying that this, we just can't continue with this. And uh, but you know, this is uh, the extreme left and how they're trying to change everything. And our, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> our military should be there to do one thing. They only need to be worrying about uh, defending this country and making sure that their people have the equipment out there that they need to fight it. So, uh, you know, th- these are the things that, uh, you know, we had uh, quite a few amendments that, that uh, were offered that w- became part of the bill, and the Democrats walked. And uh, we're saying, look, uh, this is not uh, what the military is supposed to be doing or being worried about. And it's up to our military to, to, to protect this country. Yeah, that is very true. On the same front, talking about military and national defense, where we still have this ongoing conflict with Russia and the Ukraine right now. I, I keep hearing conflicting stories that Russia continues to uh, berate Ukraine. I've also heard that Ukraine's starting to push them back a little bit. We start sending them more resources here recently. Uh, from your uh, hearings of what you've seen, what is the latest coming out of Russia and the Ukraine? Is this thing just about over, or are we just reinvesting a whole bunch more resources over to the Ukraine? And uh, do you think this is still going to be going on for a while? Well, you know, uh, since we last talked, uh, some really wild things have happened. You've seen uh, the, the Wagner group uh, with Pogosin, with uh, I'm not sure what, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was affection or what that was that uh, he's the head of the Wagner Group, which is a mercenary group, that uh, they're, they, they're fighting Russia's wars, not only in the Ukraine, but around, uh, especially in Africa and other places in the world, in the Middle East. And uh, so you saw, you know, we saw what happened there. But uh, the question, you know, and then we just saw that the Russians say that they're not going to allow Ukrainian grain to leave the country. They're not going to honor that agreement because, again, Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. They feed millions of people, um, especially in uh, North Africa and, and going into uh, uh, the Middle East, is where a lot of their grain is shipped. So if all of a sudden now that this grain is going to be blocked, you're going to have a lot of people starve around the world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't trust Putin. He, uh, you know, he's a dictator. And, uh, you, know, or, you know, we just saw that the... Uh, the bridge going into the Crimea was hit again by, by drones from the Ukrainians that uh, have shut that down again for several months. And, uh, you know, again, I think that we always have to look at that it has been Russia that has invaded a, a sovereign country. And, uh, you know, they, not only did they grab the Ukraine during uh, the, uh, in the last uh, you know, decade, but you also saw that they've been backing the uh, Russian separatists or the Ukrainian separatists, that uh, the Russians are trying to take Ukraine back into, quote-unquote, a Soviet empire. So, uh, you know, the United States, and especially Europe, and this is the other thing that has to be keep over and over and over again, that the uh, uh, Europeans and all the other countries along the NATO have got to meet their increases or their defense budgets. And at the same time, uh, you know, we always have to point out that no Americans are over there fighting. But it's been the Ukrainians that's kind of been uh, holding the line over there. But, 
Yeah, you know, it would be great to be able to say that this thing's going to end, uh, you know, next next week, next month. But as Winston Churchill said, as the tide was turning in Europe uh, during World War II, that uh, you know it wasn't the uh, the it was not the beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning. Yeah. So we're not really sure. But, you know, it all depends what the Russian people want. You know, do they want to have a dictator? That's sending their supplies, their money, their people into Ukraine to fight. And hopefully at some point in time, the, the Russians say they've had enough. We had the same issue last year with the country of Ukraine and the blocking of a lot of those grains and the exports of agriculture that affects the entire world with how big that breadbasket is in that country. So hopefully this gets resolved relatively quickly. We're talking with Congressman Bob Latter from the 5th District of Ohio as we move through here. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's bring it back to the home front. I know you're part of the Subcommittee for Communications and Technology, and recently you guys have been talking about some new bills for the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. I know there's been a big focus on wireless and rural broadband across the nation to try and help out those agricultural communities on the home front. What's the latest here, and are we gaining some traction? on getting better internet access to rural communities across the nation? Well, the National Telecommunication Information uh, Administration, you know, they're, they're charged with making sure that when you're looking at spectrum and also broadband out there. And one of the things is that when we look at what they've received, they've received over $42 billion that they're to administer to get uh, broadband deployed across this country. In the state of Ohio, Ohio is receiving about $792 million for deployment. And one of the things we want to make sure is that, and I've told the, the administrator over there, that we have to make sure that, number one, that it's deployed uh, to the unserved areas, not underserved areas or areas that you'd like to have faster speeds. It's the areas that absolutely need it first, because we all know in this day and age, if you don't have broadband, you're not going to get anywhere, especially when you're thinking about kids in school. Well, during uh, COVID, with especially telehealth, when you look at businesses, you look at people just staying in touch. So it's essential. But one of the things that I want to make sure that does not happen is that they pick winners and losers. And uh, I want to make sure, as a conservative, that you know if you're given $42 billion, you don't have to go out and spend it all. You can actually say, you know what, we were able to deploy this and do it in a uh, manner that we didn't have to spend it all. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks again to Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio joining us. As usual, we recorded that a little bit earlier today, and it went way longer than what we can air on this program, so we will upload that as an additional special feature podcast, which you can find which you can find our podcast really anywhere, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier, on any favorite podcasting sites, Google Play, Amazon Music, Pod, uh, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Pandora, I think we're on all of them. Yeah, whatever it is. You can find us on there, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You can find our show up there as the podcast daily after the program. And then anything like that with the special features that we can't always air on the show, you can find 
and listen to that whole thing in its entirety as well. He mentioned a couple interesting bills that they've been working on up there and some more that we didn't get to, obviously, on the radio here. But the National Defense Authorization Act, kind of interesting how this is being blocked by the Democrats. I don't know that this is going to pass in the Senate. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not going to pass in the Senate, which means we're probably going to have the Senate come up with their own bill. And then here's my guess. Wild speculation number two from the Voice of Reason here today on a Tuesday. The Democrats will shut down the bill that was passed by the Republicans. They will come up with their own bill that discludes all of the stipulations and amendments that we put into the bill as Republicans. And then Republicans will cower, say we have to do it because if we don't, then the military won't get their resources. The military won't, the veterans won't get their, uh, or the at least the active servicemen and women won't get their pay raises. We won't have benefits for the veterans. They won't have the resources that they need. They're going to die in the streets. We're not going to have uh, the opportunity for us to actually be a strong nation. And then the Republicans will cower and we'll lose everything that we fought for. We are... <laughs> We already know this story. It's nothing new. But there are some interesting things that at least passed in the House of Representatives bill uh, that Kevin McCarthy spoke on yesterday on the importance of this bill. House Republicans have made a commitment to America that we would fight for a nation that is safe. Today, we kept that promise by passing the National Defense Authorization Act. Under this bill, men and women in uniform who make sacrifices for our nation every day will receive the biggest pay raise in decades. We all know they deserve it. Radical programs that are forced our troops at the expense of a readiness are now eliminated. Cutting edge technology that is essential for the future of this country and to keep freedom around the world in the rise of China and Russia will receive more investment than we've watched in the past. And taxpayers will save more than $40 billion as this bill roots out wasteful spending. The real question that you never asked me that I wish you would, why did the Democrats vote no? Technically, it's a bipartisan vote. But four Democrats vote with us. Are the rest of the Democrats against a pay raise for their veterans? Are they against deterring China for a safe future? Are they against rooting out wasteful spending? Now, that was Kevin McCarthy just yesterday, I believe, uh, making those comments. And he's right. I mean, they passed a decent bill. We cut out some decent money, uh, which is hard to do. It's not a lot of money compared to the budget entirety, to the bill entirety, but at least it's a little bit of money able to trim out some of that wasteful spending. Democrats, however, voting on a hard line no, except for those four Democrats that supported the bill. Now, what's in the bill that they didn't like, according to CNN? Because why not go to the horse's mouth, so to speak, and sink your head into the sewer and figure out exactly why they don't like this bill? According to CNN, the controversial amendments that were included included a bill from Representative Ralph Norman from South Carolina that offered the measure that would eliminate all Pentagon DEI programs, meaning diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and personnel. In the dramatic fashion, it initially failed, but was reconsidered again and passed 214 to 213 in that bill, eliminating Pentagon DEI, which why in the world would we have that? We're literally training you to kill other people and defend the nation. We don't need diversity, equity, and inclusion in our military. You're not a social experiment, although it has been. For a while, another high profile bill, according to CNN, would prohibit Secretary of Defense from paying or reimbursing expenses related to abortion services. What a concept, not having the government pay through the taxpayer dollar 
your abortion services. The House also passed an amendment that would bar health care programs for service members for covering hormone treatments for transgender individuals and gender-confirming surgeries. Wow. What a radical bill. Lauren Bober also put in the bill having, quote, pornographic or radical gender ideology books banned in military school libraries. This bill will be shot down in the Senate. They will eliminate all of these. And then the question is, will Republicans again cower and cave to say we need to fund the military? We can't fight this bill. We have to go along with it without our stipulations in there. Are we willing to fight that battle and die on that hill? Republicans usually aren't, but we are getting closer to an election season, so I guess it's anyone's game. Back at it tomorrow for the middle of the week. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.